Before we get straight into the podcast, I just want to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, D Kirby GA Star. Declan Kirby GA Star Championship Journey. It's a series of GA team children's books written by primary school teacher and GA coach Michael Egan. You can check it out in the link in the description down below, of course, as well. Follow the trials and tribulations of Declan Kirby and his team at Smith Green Gaelic Football Club, recently formed a promising GA team. The book is now available in Easton's and all good bookshops, so check it out in the description down below and let's get straight into it. Into it. What's the story, lads? Welcome back to GEA Fan TV. My name is Aaron, and this is another episode of the GEA Fan TV podcast. Today, I spoke with former Carlo senior footballer Daniel St. Ledger on his time playing for the Carlo senior footballers between the years of 2008 and 2020. We had a very interesting conversation indeed. He was obviously part of the Carlo side that, of course, beat Kildare in a Leinster semi final back in 2018. Of course, that Carlo side went on a tremendous run under Turlock O'Brien and Stephen Poacher. They, of course, in 2017 beat Wexford, were two wins away from an All-Ireland quarter-final in 2017. And then, obviously, in 2018, beat Loud and, of course, beat Kildare as well. Got promoted from Division 4 to Division 3 for the first time since the 1980s. So it was a very interesting conversation with Daniel indeed. He was also part of the Carlo side that made the county's only ever minor final at provincial level anyway they're their only Leinster minor final of course back in 2007 so we spoke about that experience as well his step up into the senior team his days with his club uh Kildavan Clonagall as well we also spoke as well why he left the panel he left the panel back in 2020 and it was a very interesting conversation as well we also spoke a bit about his uh his time suffering from post-concussive symptoms as well um, and some of the different kind of situations centered around that so it was a very interesting conversation we spoke about how to maybe create more awareness around that as well because it's something that certainly isn't talked enough about in Gaelic games at the moment so it was an interesting conversation and uh, yeah look listen if you if you do enjoy this podcast leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already and let's get straight into it so I'm here now with former Carlo senior footballer Daniel St. Ledger Daniel joins us today to obviously run through his time playing for the Carlo senior footballers between the years of 2008 and 2020 and obviously look back of course at his time playing for the minors and of course uh, everything else uh, along the way as well I suppose first of all Daniel great to have you on how's the form good Aaron good um enjoying retired life it's, uh, it's been, a, been a funny couple of years so kind of been eased into retirement a little bit but uh, yeah enjoying it trying to trying to get a golf game going out a bit of time absolutely yeah like i suppose we were we we're speaking off air there about the the good weather at the moment and the warm weather like it's definitely i suppose prime weather for a bit of golfing and a bit of going out and about and enjoying the sun all the rest absolutely yeah it's great um for and in the teaching world as well so it gives you gives you a summer for for this kind of crack so it was uh badly needed after a funny kind of a year you know yeah yeah it definitely has been and i suppose like what have you made of the the football since it's back like what have you made of the the national football league and in general since it's returned and I suppose the action in general because I suppose it's been very entertaining anyway from a from a fan point of view watching all the the different games taking place. Yeah absolutely and, and I've always kind of been an advocate that the league is nearly where it's at until you know until you get to semi-finals of the, of the of the senior championship it's kind of it's a little bit mundane you know you could nearly you've nearly guessed the four that are going to be there most years but um, the league is definitely where, where things are at. Like I, I was watching Clare and Mayo the other day. It was, it was a fantastic game, you know, and uh, Gaul and Mon and sort of a big one. So it's um, I, th- I think the league is the league has always been the, the best competition. It's just nice to finally actually get it see, to be played in summer conditions, you know, rather than muck and slop in, in the middle of February, you know. So it's um, yeah, you'd be kind of hoping something that maybe going forward they they could look at playing some sort of a league in the summer. But it's another another conversation for another day, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, it's been very entertaining indeed, and I suppose like running through Carlo's league form, obviously like won both their their league games against Waterford and, and Wexford, and then obviously that lost allowed. Like, what have you made of of their league campaign in general? I suppose just the just the win away in the end. I suppose with the nature of the way the league was structured this year, away from uh, getting back to Division Three. Yeah, it, it was it was a fairly good opportunity, I have to say. It, like, you know, usually, especially for teams kind of in the Division Three, Four kind of uh, realm, it's the consistency is probably the hardest thing. And putting together six performances back to back to get a promotion actually takes a fair bit of effort. So this year to actually have you know two games and then a, a chance of getting promotion was was a golden chance, you know. But 
Um, I'd say the lads will be fairly disappointed because you're looking at what's coming down next year is, is you're looking at Cavan and Tip both popping back down to Division 4. Like So that's going to be probably more competitive than Division 3, I'd say, but look, it looks like a, fair, a bit of a hotbed, you know. So, um, yeah, look, it's still, it's, it's, it, there's been a lot of transition. There's, you know, a huge amount of new players in there, new management team, you know. So it'll probably take take a bit of time to kind of get up and running properly and kind of embed, embed their kind of ideas. But... Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say start next November, get a proper proper preseason, you know. But it's um, yeah, it's, it's a work in progress. But it's it's definitely good to see a lot of new faces in there, and it's kind of rebuilding because it, it probably needed. We we've an old enough sort of a squad. We had a lot of fellas there in around uh, the thirty sort of age group. So there's it's good to see a little bit of injection of youth. Yeah, like and I suppose obviously you've had a I suppose a change in style. I suppose with since Noel Carew's obviously come in there. Like, what have you made of of that? And I suppose obviously it would have been a bit different to when you were playing obviously under Turlock O'Brien. Like, what have you made of the the style change for for Carlo? I suppose and playing more on the on the front foot as well. Yeah, well, it, it was always kind of a case of putting your clock to measure with us. Like, we mm. just we didn't have the capacity to score three thirty against most teams. You were leaving an awful lot of things to chance. You know, you're we kind of we had several years where we were kind of shipping a lot of heavy scores so the first thing we did was look at the type of player we had we had a lot of kind of bigger sort of fellas like myself not exactly speed merchants and we're kind of saying right how do we create a scenario where we have the best chance of winning games and that was by packing packing that 45 as much as we could and uh trying to hit teams in the counter then you know but um Look, that was the way we, we we thought was the best way of winning games so that was obviously it, it worked for us to a certain degree and uh, very lucky to to be part of a promotion winning team, but um, I suppose there's probably a different style of footballer that, at the moment that's in that's in the panel now. You know, there's a lot of a lot of speed, a lot of legs, a lot of youth. So I, I guess Nile management team see that this is possibly their best way of doing things. But um, I suppose the concern would be you're conceding, still conceding big scores, and if you're conceding big and not scoring to match that, it's probably a bit of a risk. But as I said, that it is a work in progress. Like our first year with. With uh, Turlo and, and when Stephen Podger came in, it took us a while to get to get used to what we we're doing as well. So I suppose it's probably a little bit early to judge it yet, but um, it's definitely I'd say the defensive side of things will will be something that they look at because I know myself watching the game at the weekend, I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have liked to be in a back there, you know, because you're you're kind of getting exposed a fair bit. So it's not easy, but um, as I said, it's it's probably striking the balance between keeping your keeping your goals kind of tight and still being able to play out a bit of an expression and a bit of freedom. You know? mm. And would you still be in contact much with much of the lads like on the Carlo team? Would you still speak to them, you know, much like kind of on a, on a weekly or monthly basis just to know, I suppose, what the feeling's like kind of in around the camp and, and whatnot? Yeah, sure. We would be in touch with a good, good few of the lads still, you know, like I've made some of my, some of my best friends are still in there and I've friends that are with part of the SNC team as well. So uh, we'll be chatting a good, but I, I try not to really be that, be that fella now outside who asked all the questions, you know, because you don't want to be putting them in that position. But um, no, the lads seem to be enjoying the setup, you know, and I suppose a shorter year has definitely has helped insofar as like everyone was mad keen to get back going and get back training. So it's been, um, it's, it's probably something I, I think that the whole GA could do with is, is a shorter kind of season because it's definitely a lot more palatable for some of the lads who are in around my age bracket, you know, to say to themselves, right, this is going to be a three or four month stint. It's not going to be November till the following July or whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, from, from by all the soundings, they're enjoying it. I haven't I haven't spoken to them since Sunday, so that was probably a bit of a, a bit of a reaction Saturday, Saturday. So that was a bit of a reality check for them, I'd say. Um, will be, I know for for sure, they'll be extremely disappointed with conceding conceding that that level of scores. We, we'd like the last three times we've played loud, we bet them so that would have been fairly disappointing. But um, as I said, look, work in progress, but probably looking forward to two weeks now. They don't have much time to lick the wounds. Yeah, 100%. And I, I suppose like Longford, obviously, in the in the championship, like I suppose a lot of people would have been expecting Longford to probably go down to Division 4 when they were paired up with Tipperary. But I suppose they'll be the ones carrying a bit of momentum, I suppose, going into that game after after a huge win over Tip in a Division 3 relegation playoff. Yeah, and then at Longford are like an incredibly well organized team. They Borg Davis has them set up really, really well. They they play to they're they're extremely systematic. I think we played them maybe three or four times between leagues and um challenge games and played in the qualifiers a couple of years ago as well. And they're just really, really hard to break down. They're they're a team we kind of struggled against with our system because 
when we were when we were setting up for the counter-attack, they used to set up similarly and they were happy to keep ball for three, four, five, six minute spells. And, and that can be very frustrating for a team who's sitting in and defending. So we we consistently struggle to beat them. So it they'll probably do the same, I'd say, on um on whenever it is two weeks' time. They'll probably try to keep ball and they'll be very rigid. So it'll just it'll depend if, if our lads get caught pushing high up the field, there will be holes for them to counter-attack into. So it'll be kind of checks and balances. So the lads will really have to the, the older lads who have played long for before have to use that bit of experience and kind of understand what they're coming up against and kind of cut the cut the cloth to measure a bit. Yeah, hundred percent. It's definitely going to be a, an interesting game, all right. And I suppose not having qualifiers as well, like I suppose, is probably a, a disappointment in in many ways. I suppose for a lot of counties, obviously across Leinster, obviously with the fact that I suppose Dublin and there are probably most likely always going to be the the top dogs. Like I suppose, like what's your thoughts on on there not being qualifiers? I know obviously with the the schedule and and obviously trying to get cl- clubs back as soon as possible, it was probably the right thing to do in the end, but. Is there a sense of disappointment maybe that they couldn't fit some qualifiers in there so you couldn't maybe get an extra couple of games or anything like that? Yeah, it, it's a funny one. Like, I was listening to the, the Alliance League Sunday on, uh, and they were talking about Kildare and Mead game and I think Joanne Campbell was talking about the, the, the couple of players who got injured for Kildare and Mead and she was saying it's a, it's a big worry for them going into the championship now. But I was kind of thinking those injuries were perfectly legitimate because that is their championship. You know, whether we, we can dance around it, like, but... There is no real championship for Leinster teams at the moment because no, with all the goodwill in the world, you're, nobody's going to be beating Dublin anytime soon, I don't think. So, like that 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 uh, promotion game for for Mead and Kildare, that was everything for them, and they had to absolutely go like hell for leather at it. Um, as regards qualifiers, again, you're kind of prolonging you're prolonging a year again, and especially from in in years gone by, you know, you could have four or five week break to a qualifier after losing your championship game. It's, it's, I, I always found it a drag. It was a really uh, tough weight because you're in this kind of a quandary of you might have a week off, you might be back with the clubs for a week, and then you'll have three weeks of sort of uh, middle of the road training, not knowing who you're playing without a focus. Um, if, if you get a, a, some sort of system where you, you knew you were playing, let's say, two weeks after the championship game, and then you had a week on week on week, maybe not so bad. But I'd say in the current, in the current climate, I think the feeling I'm getting is lads are happy enough to have their championship game and and let that be it. And then, as you say, go back to the clubs and get that started. You know? mm, yeah, yeah, no, that's fair enough. Like, and I suppose we'll run through your your time, obviously playing for for Carlo between the years of, of 2008 and 2020, and obviously you're involved with the the minor team as well. in, in 2007, how would you reflect on it on it all now through your time with the minors and and the senior team as well? Yeah, it was it was funny. If you asked me this question a year ago, I'd have had a list of grievances as, as long as the arm. You know, it was it was funny. You're kind of looking at it in a micro sense when you just finish playing. You're looking at this individual incident or this individual training session that annoyed you or something that happened that was wrong. But kind of when you step back and look at it in a macro sense, like in the grand scheme of things, I was I was incredibly lucky. You know, I, I managed to play for whatever it was, 13, 14 years with seniors, and um, like the, the minor experience, like it, it was something that. No, Carlo team has really gone to before. I know it might seem like small, small pickings for most for most counties, but a huge thing for us, you know. And as I said, I, I've made like incredible friends since even since that minor time, you know. There's a huge amount which is still really close. So, um, I think all in all, I, I you'd have to look back at it and be pretty happy, you know. There's definitely yeah some small regrets, but um, all in all, I, I think it's given me some some fairly good life experiences, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely some some memories. All right, I can imagine like looking back on it all and. I suppose 2007, obviously, and that, that you know, getting to a, a Leinster minor final, like it was, you made it all the way to the Leinster final, beating the likes of Mead, Wexford, Westmead, and, and Loud before the, the loss to Leash. Like, I suppose, I think it was the only time that, that Carlo ever made a, a Leinster minor, like f- final at minor level anyway. So, I mean, it must have been quite a, quite a special feeling to step out and, you know, in a, in a minor final for, for Carlo on that day. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. And we had, like, we, we, it was probably the first time there was a real emphasis put on a development squad in Carlo. So our group had kind of come from maybe, I think, under 14, 15, 16. We've kind of been kept together with the same group of lads the whole time. And I think there was probably an, an awareness that there was a fairly decent uh, core of players. And, and a lot of those players would probably have made up the senior team for the last 10 years as well. But um, yeah, that, that year was incredible. We actually lost to Longford in um, the first round of the championship. And um, I think Mickey Quinn was playing that day. I was full back, he was full forward. And he, he got a couple of goals off, you know, gave me a good roasting. But um, yeah, after that, we just got the got a bit of momentum going again. And 
we, we actually earlier that year we got into the Ulster minor league and we shipped a good few beatings but we were on the road most weekends and we were you know kind of bonding as a group and everything and I think that had a huge bearing on us because we were kind of getting used to playing at a, at a higher standard but a lot of Leinster teams wouldn't have been involved in any kind of structured league so that was fantastic for us you know we, we played Tyrone played Down uh, played Monaghan and Cavan and even just to break the seal of playing kind of teams that you haven't played before you know notoriously when, when you're in Carlo you'll play a practice game against Waterford, Wexford, Wicklow, maybe Leash the odd time. So just even getting out of that bubble was, was I think, a really good move. Uh, Declan McGovern was our manager from, he was with Offaly, I think, selector recently as well. But he, he, he was a little bit of a, a visionary in that regard. So he was kind of doing bits and pieces that that probably hadn't been done before tactically and that kind of stuff. And he always had um, he always had a good approach to things. And I think that that had a huge impact on us because it gave the, gave the team a really good focus and direction. But... Um, yeah, it was that the, the, that whole journey, that whole summer was just amazing, and and we, we actually played the semi final in Croke Park as well against Louds. So we got we got two days out, and um, that the Leinster final, that Leash team were were an incredible team. You know, like John O'Loughlin was playing under twenty one, I think, with Leash at that time as a minor, and uh, Donny Kingston and Zach Tui and Connor Merritt. Like, there's just some phenomenal footballers who, like, many of those lads went on to be pro athletes. Like, you know, it's it's incredible, but. Um, I think the, I think we were three five to five down at half time. I think the nerves kind of nerves got the better of us a little bit, and uh, we're a little bit uh, kind of awestruck, and we missed a penalty in the second half and a couple of good goal chances. You know what could have been, but um, it was an unbelievable year, and it kind of it, it kind of set a fire under a lot of lads to kind of that crave that sort of a feeling again. You know, it's sometimes especially in Carlo when underage players don't have any kind of success from under 14s right through to minor, they're just shipping beatings and beatings and beatings it kind of doesn't give you much of a desire to give up nine months of your year to play with the county for something similar. But we, we, we were lucky that we kind of had the opposite, the opposite kind of feeling to that, you know. So um, it definitely kind of sparked something in a lot of lads, I think. Mm, yeah, because I'd imagine like kind of in the, in the later years then, like in 2018 and 2017 and whatnot, like even that like experience of, of playing in Crow Park and playing on a, in a big occasion, like probably, probably stood to you. And I suppose a few of the other lads who were part of the, the minor team back then. Yeah, absolutely. And like the, we, we played me there the following year in, in senior championship. And it was, that was my first year playing with seniors, but it was an eight, but um, it was no, no big deal really. It was no major thing that we got a walloping as well, but that would have been the first time like lads that who were maybe 10 years older than me, the first time they were playing at Croke Park, you know? So it was, mm. it was a great, it was a great grounding for a lot of lads. And we, it was some, like some really good characters there that, um, that I think it stood to them as well going forward, you know? So it's, um, yeah, I think it was, it was a great start to have, it was a great start to have under your belt. And it definitely, it definitely gave a huge amount of enthusiasm going forward, you know, and like it was tested over the years, you know, there was times where it was kind of eroded away and chipped away, but Thankfully, as you said, in 2017, 2018, we were getting a little bit of reward for that. Mm, yeah, like, and I suppose going straight up to, to senior level as well. Like, now I take it you didn't play under 20 level or anything like that. So I suppose like that must have been a, a big step up going from from minor straight to the to, to the senior team. Yeah, it was. Uh, Paul Beelan was had taken over. There was actually quite a good buzz around the place at the time, and um, there was. I think we played Dublin in a Bourne Cup game. I think around. Was, well, it was just the week before my mock started and they drew the first day in Parnell Park and there's a replay to follow on Sunday. So uh, Paul gave me the ring on, I think, on a Friday to, to call up and like, geez, I've, I've never had a feeling, never had a feeling like it, you know, it was incredible. I was I was in school, as you do, and the, the phone is buzzing and pinned the ground to the Jackson saying nothing and answer it down there. But um, yeah, it was, it was just an incredible feeling like and uh, to be out playing Dublin in your, in your first kind of official game as such, you know, was was unbelievable and then to sit down to English paper one the next morning was, yeah, wasn't, quite, it wasn't yeah. ideal but you know it was an incredible start yeah. yeah absolutely like and I suppose like you mentioned with the Mead game as well then in the in the Leinster Championship like I'd say that was quite the the experience as well to to go up against that that Mead side that certainly had a lot of quality coming through as well and some of those players would eventually go on and win a Leinster title of their own so I suppose it was um, I say that was quite a, an experience as well yeah, it was kind of eye-opening. Like, you, you kind of think, I suppose, obviously, as an 18-year-old, you're naive enough to, to, to a lot of things and, and how things are working. But I thought everything was going great in the camp beforehand. I thought everyone was moving well. I thought we had a fairly good idea of what we were doing. And it was it was 
boys against men and stuff that day like that was um it was kind of funny like because you're thinking this isn't really the way this is supposed to be going you know the last time we were in Crow Park it was you know in a Leinster final being competitive and now you're here losing by whatever it was 20 something points you know so uh no that wasn't that wasn't the greatest day and I was I, I was kind of oblivious to it at the time because I was just so over the moon to be there to be back playing in the senior championship game it kind of went over my head a little bit but looking back on it now, I'd say that probably could have finished an awful lot of our of our older lads. You know, we with a huge turnover of players after that year for 2009-2010 was a, a fairly big change from from a lot of those fellas, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine so. Like, and I suppose then the Loud game in, in 2011, like obviously Loud at the time were just on the back of they were in the Leinster final, obviously a year previously and were beaten by Mead quite controversially, obviously, as we all know. So you obviously played them in that 2011 11 game and beat them. Like I'd say that was a huge feeling because I'd say, I think it was a couple of years since you'd won a, a championship game, you like up until that point. So I'd say that was a huge moment for, for yourselves. Yeah, I think it was 2006 was the last time. I think about Wicklow maybe in 2006. But um, yeah, it would have been. And we kind of, we'd, we'd always managed to get close enough to that. We played them in 2009. I think they better spoiled three or four in Parnell Park. And then, um, yeah, 2011, we were actually, we kind of had an all right league. We had a good finish to the league. Um, Luke Dempsey was over us. And we kind of had a bit of momentum going into, into that game. But there was kind of room for a scalp, like that we thought, you know, loud will always give you a chance to let you play. But, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't anything overly structured about it. It was fairly open and free-flowing kind of stuff. So that kind of suited us at the time. And um, Brendan Murphy came back from Australia the year before. So he was kind of bedding in a bit. Like, I think he got three or four from play that day, an unbelievable performance. And, um, yeah, we, we kind of had a, a good crew of that minor uh, team, was two years older as well. So we, we, I suppose it was still a flash in the pan, though. It wasn't. It wasn't something that had been growing and developing and like an organized performance. It was just one of those days where everything went right for you. And you could kind of see that in the semi-final against Wexford that we were just blown away. Wexford were a fairly decent team at the time and they had a very organized kind of game plan and stuff like that. And they kind of gave us a bit of a walloping. But um, yeah, again, at the time, it seemed like the best thing in the world. But when you're kind of starting to realize these are only flashing the pans and it wasn't because of any real... Um, real development that had taken place over a year it kind of again in hindsight it, it took the glow off it but at, at the time sure it was for <laughs> kings of carlo you were going home and there was you know there's everyone took the monday off work you know it was brilliant but um yeah again it, it was probably in a weird kind of um a transition in in kind of ga as well it was it was a little bit of a throwback to more amateur times like and um, we were probably behind the curve anyway but snc kind of had only really started for us anyway in about 2009 like realistically where lads started taking seriously and it was it was still it was still very much so amateur even compared to like seven or eight years later like it's it's a they're worlds apart now so it was a little bit of a throwback to, to simpler times but um yeah good nonetheless yeah yeah no like and i think it's definitely worth celebrating like you have to take the the wins when they come along and I suppose, like what you said there, like 2006 since the last championship win, like, like I'd imagine, like, how, how would you even get the motivation, I suppose, year on year to, to keep going? And especially for a lot of the other lads in there as well to, I suppose, like give up so much time to, to play for Carlo and the senior team. And like, obviously you're commuting to, to Dublin then for work and it's probably the same for a lot of other lads. Like, how would you find that motivation and what would it be that would kind of keep you, keep you going and keep you turning up for, for training, I suppose, week on week? Yeah, it was funny, like, there, there was never really an occasion where, you know, you, obviously you might, the year might finish badly and you might be a bit cheesed off at things, but there was never an occasion where I was like, no, I've no interest come back in November. You know, it, there was always, there was always that bit of a buzz and anytime there wasn't, I said I'd finish it. And when I finished it, I kind of had that feeling that, no, the energy is not there for it anymore. Um, I suppose you're kind of, you're sort of institutionalized a little bit, like all my friends were, were doing it, you know, so it wasn't, if, if I had left that environment, I'd have been leaving a huge social side as well. You know, it's 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 funny even now, like when like I I've I've nothing to be at anymore at the moment. So if I if I wanted to give one of the lads a shout for a point or whatever, there's there's very few of them around because they're all preparing for loud on Saturday or they're all getting ready for a different championship match somewhere else. So a huge part of my social circle was still involved in, in intercounty. So from that point of view, it just kind of it just felt like something that you just stayed doing because I <laughs> a bit of a sheep, I suppose, because everyone else is doing it. But um no, and like you love it as well. Like it's it's a great opportunity to 
even just develop different skills like and, and it's definitely helped me in my work and life and outside of that as well and you're you're kind of building that resilience I think especially with, with probably a lot of division four teams you're, you're you're developing that resilience that to keep kind of keep coming back for more when things might not necessarily be fantastic you know so it's definitely something that was um I, I think helped helped me personally and you know, there, there's, there was a really good group of lads that kind of were consistently going and you kind of felt you'd have been letting those fellas down as well if you did pull the plug. So it was, um, no, it was definitely the, the friendships and that, the bit of camaraderie that you kind of keep going back for because it definitely wasn't the, the hammerings or it wasn't the, the shitty nights out in the centre of excellence when you're getting run around the place. So, um, yeah, from that point of view, it's, it's just socially it was, it was class for a good while, you know. Yeah, I suppose that's it. That's kind of how it is with, with most things, I suppose. And I'd imagine, yeah, it's the, it's the memories and the experience, I suppose, that probably drew you back into it. And I suppose probably the same for a lot of the other lads in the team. And I suppose when Turlock O'Brien came in, that was really when you kind of took things, I suppose, up a notch, like in, in 2017. And, and obviously when Stephen Poacher came in as well, like what was that like working under Turlock O'Brien and Stephen Poacher, I suppose? Um, well, well Turlock came initially in 2014. He Anthony Rainbow had us, and in fairness, things were things were at a really low, really low ebb. And like when I say you're talking lucky to have double figures at training, kind of thing. Like you know, things were things were as bad as it ever been in Carlo. And um, Anthony looked for a bit of help from Turlock because he was practically doing the thing on his own, more or less himself and Damien McMahon. I think were the two selectors, but there was there was very little help for him. And Turlock came in and, and kind of gave the thing a bit of energy. But that year in championship, Mead bet us by I think it was seven thirteen to six or seven points or something like that. And it was it was definitely a, one of the low points. You know, it really really was. And you know, it was it was very hard to kind of dust yourself off and come back after that. But um, so that was Turtle's kind of first experience of it. So, like in fairness to him, he he knew how big a job it was. So, um, 2015, then he he kind of he got everyone in back in 2015. He got everyone he needed, and we had a relatively competitive league. Um, but again, probably didn't have the the organization on the field to really compete. And 2015 and 2016 again weren't hectic and. I, in fairness to Turlough, he kind of knew we needed something different because we were shipping, we were shipping huge scores year on year, and you just can't, you just can't compete when you're shipping scores. So, um, obviously, Stephen has the 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 glory of having the tag as the defensive coach. Like, but he, in fairness to him, he came in and yes, he stemmed the flow from that point of view. But he kind of revolutionised how everyone, how we trained, and how we thought about the game in general. And yes, he definitely made us more pragmatic, but. Um, from the point of view of an enjoyment side of things, like 2017, 2018, um, were just were two incredible years. And and you know after 2016, I was very much so on the edge myself. I was kind of really saying, I'm just I'm just not enjoying this at the moment. And we came back in for we had a meeting in November 2016, uh, Stephen's first meeting with us. And I had gone, gone into the meeting. I had a list of things that I was going to give out about and say this is wrong, <laughs> that's wrong. We need you know you do some stuff you have in your head and you're driving in, but. Um, in fairness, Poacher, he had everything kind of listed off already. He, he said, this is what we're going to start out. And, you know, I started with the defensive side of things. And for me personally, I was playing full pack that year. And anyone that knows me will know I'm not a fantastic man marker. But it was it was hard. You were playing with 60, 70 yards of space in front of you. And it was it was just depressing coming out, coming out of every game. And you're conceding whatever, 320-something. But he had, uh, yeah, so from a defensive point of view, it was brilliant to hear that, that we're finally actually going to get that sorted as our first step on the block you know and it was uh it took time it, it it didn't it didn't bet in straight away london bet us in the second game of the league in 2017 and you're kind of wondering where is it going now is this going to be is this going to continue or what but um no fortunately we got, got a little bit, bit of momentum and kind of things took off from there mm, yeah like and yeah because i've listened to, to stephen poacher on a few different podcasts here and there like and he definitely seems to have a like definitely a lot of intelligence about the game and I suppose how the game is played and how the game's evolved over the past like five to ten years. And looking at that division four campaign, like when you finished third in the end, like in, in 2017, like I suppose, like was that that I'd imagine that was kind of the start really, like of kind of kicking on from there, because I suppose like up until then, like you I suppose like that was you were you were close then, like and you were you were battling and you were coming close, like and I suppose that was the the first big step I'd imagine that kind of gave you the confidence then that you could kick on and get promoted the, the following year. Yeah, absolutely. And and that that kind of gave players the buy-in. And 
the, the you can have kind of any system or any setup you want, but if, if you don't have 20-ish players who are totally bought into what you're doing, you're not going to do it. So let's say if you have two wing forwards who are saying, oh, well, I'm not going to be coming back here to 45 every time. What's the point in that? The whole system falls apart, you know, and it's just like dominoes. So you, you need absolutely everybody to be buying into what you're doing. And in fairness to him, he put the system in place. Guys did what they were asked. They started to see results and you're kind of saying, oh, well, this clearly works for us. So, and 2017, we finished up, but maybe I think we won the last three or four league games in a row, I think. And then that kind of fed into the Wexford game, Championship and Dublin and then Monaghan. And it, it, all kind of, it all kind of snowballed from there. But as soon as players saw the little bit of success coming from what we we're doing, it, it really helped him to, to get us to buy in. And the, the, the London game was an example for us, I think, of what happens when we don't buy in. You know, when we, we drew Westmead in the first game, played really well, stuck to the system rigidly. And then we played London in the second game and kind of maybe we thought, Ash, look, we can kind of go off script here a little bit. It's only London. I don't have to track back that time. I don't have to do what I'm asked defensively or whatever it might have been. And then London bet us by three or four points. And so that was that was a good wake-up call and probably the turning point, I'd say, in kind of Stephen's time with us, I'd say. Yeah, like absolutely, I can imagine. So like definitely carried a, a lot of momentum and I suppose getting that win over Wexford and, and then obviously the Dublin game as well. Like I suppose huge exposure, obviously playing playing the dubs like and it was on TV. I think it was on Sky Sports that day. So like all the cameras were there. Like and I suppose a big occasion for, for Carlo to, to have that game. And I suppose you did yourselves proud as well. Like it was, you know, when you look at I think some of the, the score totals that Dublin racked up in in the rest of the championship, you know, I think they hit 19 points that day and you know, so I'd imagine it was a, an interesting occasion for yourselves anyway. Yeah, it was, it was very cool. Yeah, the, even, even just being on Sky Sports was a big thing. Like, I, was, I think it was the first time I've ever played on a live team, on a live match. I say it was most of the lads, it was similar, you know. But mm. um, yeah, like, we, we'd make no bones about that, really. We, we kind of, we didn't come out to play anything. We just kind of had to deal with the circumstances to get to deal with. And like, the reality is the diverge, like the, the gap between Dublin and us is incredible you know so we couldn't go out there and say oh we'll give it a go and then have a have a cut off it like because we'd have been ripped asunder like and people might say that was a very negative approach or very like why would you not play if you're not trying to win but the reality was we had like we knew we had a qualifier coming in two weeks we needed to if, if we got bet by 40 points everyone would be disgusted you go home and off the form but we made ourselves competitive again you don't want to be taking any like pride in a loss but it did give us a little bit of a foundation to say, look what our system can do against the probably best team in the country. Like, and, and they were off the pace as well. Like they were, they were still, I'd say coming out of a heavy block, but irrespective, it kind of gave us a little bit of uh, a little bit of confidence in what we we're doing. And we kind of carried that through then to, I think it was London the following week and then Leitrim. But the, we were always aware that this isn't a one-off game. This we're looking at the, the, the longer term because, um, you just don't want to come out with a 420 to three or four point loss, you know, and, and, and I know people will come back and I've had this conversation or argument with a lot of people that say, well, sure, you may as well get bet by 30 points as opposed to one, but I can assure you, you don't want to get bet by 30 points. We've had enough of them and they're, they're not a nice place to be. Yeah, I can imagine so, because I suppose it's about building confidence and it's about going in with a, a bit of momentum. And I suppose that's what you did. Like, you obviously got to win over London and Leitrim and even in the Monaghan game as well. Like, it was, on, it was a five-point defeat and I suppose probably a lot closer than, than people imagined when you think back to, to Monaghan and you look at Monaghan now even. So, I suppose it was, a, it was a good run for yourselves and you were just, I suppose, a win away from the, the final round of the of the qualifiers. Yeah, yeah. That, that Monaghan game probably felt like the... The kind of the, the Dublin game, it felt like we we're like the circus circus freaks. How many lads can you fit inside the forty-five? But I thought we played a little bit more in the Monaghan game. We kind of expressed ourselves a small bit more, and it was probably the last ten minutes. Uh, we had we had a little mantra the, the following year. I think we were. It was what was it? There was five minutes left, and I think it was level. And and Poacher had some little phrase for the following year where I think we had five turnovers in the last five minutes, and those five turnovers led to five scores. And he had some way of kind of reminding ourselves. When the game was in the melting pot, then the following year, just think back to the Monaghan game, and this, and you had some little way of kind of some little rhyme for it. But it was, yeah, that, that's what it came down to. And Monaghan unloaded a couple of lads off the bench as well, which we we just we we couldn't live with that, you know, that level of um, that level of condition that they were able to bring in for the last ten or fifteen minutes. But um, yeah, it, pro it probably came down to not minding the ball for us for those last couple of minutes is what was the what was the major turning point. But 
again, it, it felt like a proper championship game. It's probably one that I'd look back on with a good bit of fondness because it kind of felt like we were actually being taken seriously for once in in the national in the national circumstances. You know, it, it actually felt like people thought, Jesus, yeah, they're actually able to play a little bit. You know, so um, yeah, that was a, that was a really good that was a really good day in Carlo. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Like and. I suppose moving on from that in 2018, like obviously getting promoted to, to division division three, like I suppose a historic moment in many ways for Carlo. I think it was uh, the mid 1980s, maybe the last time you were out of division four. So I'd say that was a, a huge occasion to, to get back to division three and I suppose have that celebrations and, and have that day out once again in, in Crow Park. Yeah, that it, it was, it's so frustrating every year when you're talking, the first thing you talk about is, right, lads, we need to get promoted from Division 4. And you do the same things that you did for the previous 10 years not to get promoted. And you're just saying, well, how are things ever going to change? But in fairness, it was probably the one year where, like, Stephen had his approach to things and players bought in. So it was, we knew kind of before the year had even started that, look, if we just stick to script, we have a fairly good chance, you know. Um but it was, yeah, it was, it was, God, it was some relief because you just have years of talking about it and you're so sick in the teeth of talking about Division 4, Division 4, get out of the league and all that crack. And it was just great to, and to do it and to do it in a controlled way. Like in, when we were talking earlier about the low game 2011 being a flash in the pan, this wasn't really, this was kind of a, a controlled, whatever, six or seven games we played. Um, obviously, the, the two leash games were a little bit of a, a black mark on both of them, but up to that point we were you know very organized very controlled um there was no there was obviously when we got promoted it was a massive massive celebration and it was brilliant but up to that point it was it was very calm and collected but um it was just it was so nice going into each game kind of knowing right if we're in or around this at halftime we're probably going to win it you know there was a real um belief within the squad that you know we used to always say if we were within a couple of points at halftime we'll see it out you know we, we our system would have eventually ground teams down you know and and it did a lot of the time and you know it was there was it was just a very very nice league campaign to look back on the it was the kind of the first league we had the lights in dr colin park so you had sunday night matches and our saturday night matches and um good crowds in at them atmosphere is brilliant and it's funny if you talk to any player asking about sunday sunday matches at two o'clock are a dread to play league games they're absolutely hard it's so hard to be right for them and the energy is low and everything but saturday night games are a dream and you a bit of a weekend for yourself but um yeah that was that was that was definitely the high point for me was that day up in Antrim when we when we turned them over you know that was that was just an incredible relief more than anything else yeah, I can imagine so. Like, and I suppose the momentum like it, it gave is obviously going ahead into the into the championship, and obviously the the seven point win over Kildare in in, in twenty twenty eighteen. Like, I suppose probably one of the the most famous days in in many ways in in Carlo GA history. Like to 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 beat Kildare, fair enough, but to beat them in the way you did, like you beat them quite comfortably in the end. I suppose what was it like to be involved in the celebrations? I'd say there was definitely a, a lot of celebrations after that game. There was, yeah, there was. It was, um, yeah, no, there were great times. Like, and it's funny, I, I've been talking about the league since the start here and, and the importance of the league, but for supporters, I think, and now even for myself as a as a, an observer, it is the championship is the, the day to do it. You know, it is the, mm. the proper day out. And it's, it was, it was, I again, I don't want to say a flash in the pan, but because we played loud the week, two weeks previous, and I think we scored two eighteen or something like that. So we kind of knew we were we were onto we were onto something good, you know. And it was uh, it was kind of annoying. It was a little bit annoying because we were being labelled as a defensive team, but we were coming out with like we were averaging maybe twenty one points a game in the league, again two seventeen against Loud. And so we kind of knew we were onto the right thing. But again, it was we we probably had to rein it in a small bit for Kildare and and probably bring it down to a bit of a shit fest for a while for want of a better word but because at the end of the day you're dealing with you are dealing with a division 1 team like you know so we had to we had to cut our cloth measure and it was uh, just one of those days like we had a 100% uh, with our shooting like i mean mm. that that doesn't happen every day so you, you can uh, there's an element of flash in the pan about it but we would have worked for so long on on efficiency in your shooting and about where you're shooting from and 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 who you get the ball to to shoot. Like it was, um, I know Dublin are, are lauded for it at the moment that they'll work it until the very last moment until it's absolutely right. And if they have to do it for ten minutes, they will, you know. 
But um, yeah, that day we just did everything absolutely to the letter of the law. And definitely Kildare probably didn't think there was much of a risk. And I'd say that probably caught him as well. And it, it was funny, the Robbie Malloy, our goalkeeper, who were breaking out of the huddle and Robbie took a run of one of the, one of the Kildare lads, I think it was Owen Doyle or someone like that. And they started a bit of a scuffle before the game, but it, it kind of just set the tone for the rest of it. And everyone kind of, it kind of set the tone for everyone else. And it was, we just had to, we just had to bring something uh, above just football we had to bring something a little bit different because if you just go toe-to-toe with these kind of fellas like you're you're probably going to come out on the wrong end of it like you know so it was um yeah another uh, definitely a highlight you know but it probably wouldn't compare for me to the league but for I know for parents family uh, for uh, supporters everything like that that was probably the most of them remember I'd say yeah absolutely yeah like well I suppose yeah because the league obviously you, you kind of you got that day out in Crow Park and you obviously got up to division three you kind of probably had more of an impact i suppose on on the season and and what was was happening in the in the next year i suppose getting another crack at, at leash once again like you always seem to to come up against leash like somewhere along the way and it was a leinster semi-final this time at, at crow park i suppose only a couple of points in it but how would you kind of look back on that now like would you look back at, at a, kind of a missed opportunity in many ways to potentially get to a leinster final or would you kind of think you know, that was, you'd kind of achieved what you set out to, I suppose, already by, by getting to, by getting to a Leinster semi-final. Yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was, it was, the Leash games were a bit sickening, like there was, I, th- I think we played them in the final game in the league and Carlo lost by point, we played them in the league final, they bet us by four or five, and then in the Leinster semi, they bet us by whatever it was, four as well, I think. Um, But it, it was funny, like, the Leash are an extremely good team, and you know, uh, John Tuger was over them and, and they were as organised and like playing as good football as, as they ever had been. And I think that got that got shown in the recent couple of years, you know, they were up, up as far as Division 2. Like, so it, it was funny to hear the reaction to that because we obviously set up to play in a certain way and it was, Leash matched it. And they they were able to, they were, as we said, a bit similar with Longford and they're happy to keep ball for 10, 15 minutes if we're sitting back and they'll work it into the right positions. But that took an awful lot of discipline and coaching from them as well. And I don't think, um, especially even people in Carlo were disgusted that we didn't win the, the, the couple of games against Leash. That was kind of the stick that was used to beat us, that all this defensive stuff wasn't good enough. You have to, you know, be more expansive, yada, yada. But anytime we played Leash in the previous 10 years, like I think they bet us by 15 points in championship in, in 2015. They bet us by maybe seven or eight the year before that, or a couple of years before that. So it wasn't as if we were getting close to them. This was as competitive as we had been, you know, with Leash. And what I still think we we didn't have the same levels of aggression probably as we had against Kildare. That that same bite wasn't there. Um, and there's no doubt about it as well. Playing in Croke Park has a different sort of it has a different impact on your on your energy. Um, like you're, you're playing tighter grounds in Carlo or in Tullamore or wherever it might be for our style that we played at that time in our system, you needed more compaction and Croke Park's a little bit longer. I know it doesn't see, it doesn't, it, the dimensions are probably not a million miles off most places, but it seems like a bigger place. And sometimes it's harder to move through the lines, through the hands, the way we'd like to do it. And, and that saps your energy eventually, you know, and it's harder to get tackles and get turnovers in, in kind of some broader expanses. And, it, um that probably told on us a couple of times we played them there and, and they they just had a little bit more than us on, on all those occasions. And it was just unfortunate we didn't have anything else that we could possibly throw at them. You know, if if we came out of our shell a bit more, they were just going to expose Donnie Kingston on the edge of the square and that could have gone anyway. You know, so it wasn't as if we could just go out, go man to man and see what happens. We were kind of hamstrung to a certain degree because they were just just a little bit better than us, you know. Yeah, yeah, I suppose that's the thing. Like, I suppose you have to, to make do with the resources that you have. And I suppose, you know, like sport is played in many different ways. I suppose there's no right or, or wrong way to play it. Like, and I suppose different styles is what makes sport and Gaelic football interesting. And I know for myself, I've never really had a, a big issue with defensive football. Like, I can perfectly understand why most counties would adopt that, like to try and get the best out of out of what they have. And I suppose, like, kind of going on from that, like, looking at the the two years that followed on from that, obviously, like, I suppose was it, I suppose it was always going to be tough to to reach those same heights because I think you see where a lot of you see and even with Leitrim when they went up to Division Three and came straight back down, and I, I suppose Wicklow survived, so fair play to them. But it, it, I suppose, like, you've kind you kind of reached the mountain or or the summit in many ways. It was always going to be hard to kind of maintain those standards for the for the next couple of years. Yeah, and and you kind of hit the nail in the head, like. What we probably didn't grasp was that 
we were stepping once we got up to division three we were now stepping up we're going to have to do something better or a little bit more than what we did the previous year so we had to come back in better condition that January than we would have the previous January because you're going to be playing against better players and we needed to be more organized we like we it needed to step up but I think it kind of regressed the other way a little bit um, Aero had a bit of a run in Leinster as well and so they had maybe seven or eight lads in the panel so those lads were a little bit late coming back and that just kind of has a knock-on effect then on everything else and with a small pool of players it does you know um, so I, I don't think we were we were as organised as the year previous um, and again as you say psychologically it's probably hard to do that because you have reached that mountaintop in theory because it's all you've ever talked about and we probably never talked about how do we stay up there how do we not kind of slide down and that's where you have to kind of credit like, like teams like Clare for example who are in Division 2 now for however many years uh, having I would have started out playing Clare in Division 4 and same kind of crack and, but they've managed to keep keep her to keep in Division 2 for the last couple of years but um, yeah I, I just think we weren't as organised and we actually had a good start to Division 3 we we bet Sligo uh, handy enough I think um, we drew at West Mead and then Longford, we just started to move away from our from what had been working. It's similar to the London game 2017, where we thought, oh, we don't necessarily have to be as defensive or we don't have to make that run back or we don't have to keep the ball as well. And I we were, I think it was just about 11 quint half time. I missed a penalty and Longford went up and got a score. And that was just a big, a big shift for us. And it was um, yeah, it was a really disappointing one because a win there would have probably secured us staying up in Division Three, and um, we we probably wouldn't have the resilience in Carlo that you'd like. You know, a, a win would do an awful lot of damage to us, or a, a loss would do an awful lot of damage to us psychologically. So, like the the, the Division Four times when things weren't going well, we might win the first two or three games, but one loss or one bad performance that was us nearly gone and just mentally just quite brittle and that was that's very hard to kind of get out of a team you know there's some teams are really well capable of doing it but unfortunately there was just something in us that when things weren't go, going well we just kind of let them unravel totally but um yeah and then sure the, the down debacle and you know we we should have got a draw there that would have been enough to keep us up and and Turlo got suspended Poacher got suspended um for stuff that went on after the game and you know, that was a huge distraction because we spent a week crying about that game, but we actually had another shot at least to stay up. All we needed was a draw. We would have stayed up that day. But we, we again, we just allowed ourselves to get sucked into stuff that wasn't necessarily to do with football, wasn't necessarily to do with our game plan and how we were going to beat Leash. And like that was that was a little bit frustrating because we still had a chance to stay up, but we were kind of too preoccupied with the injustice that had been done. And again, depends what side of the fence you're on, like, you know, you can't let referees be having an influence in games one way or the other. So, look, you don't yourselves to blame from that point of view. But that was uh, that was really hammer blow because I think we we're more than good enough to to actually have stayed up that year. And I think Offaly got a point in the last minute to draw with Sligo or something like that, and that that kept them up and us went, and we went down. But yeah, that was uh, that was a bit of a signal to be honest. Yeah, yeah, no, I can imagine so because I remember it definitely went down to the wire, all right, and I think there was a late point in that game or, or something like that that happened that that kind of changed in the end, and I think it was score difference between like three or four teams. I think that eventually, I think centres down, and I suppose like after that, obviously, and going into twenty twenty and and the lockdown, you obviously left the panel. Like, what were the, the kind of main reasons, I suppose, for for leaving the Carlo team? I suppose as as early as you did. Yeah. Um... In, again, hindsight's a great thing, but I probably should have left it at 2019 after we got relegated again. Um, I think that might have been the right time to go. I like we, we kind of got wind that Stephen was coming back and that the same management team was coming back, so it gave a little bit of renewed sort of energy. And then just before the just before the start of the preseason, kind of Stephen said he couldn't commit, and Turlow then was kind of he, he had no option but to stay on. Really, in fairness to him, like he was kind of caught, but. Um, yeah, so so everything kind of, I uh, it just never took off really at all, and I I kind of I wasn't happy in myself even I was just it was becoming that chore that I talked about that it shouldn't be, and mm. it, it, that was kind of reflecting how things were going. But um, yeah, so well, I suppose the lockdown the lockdown came at a good time for me insofar as I was happy to get a little bit of a break from it because it was it was becoming tough. I was I was commuting to the to Nall North County Dublin. 
um, and it was about an hour and 40 minutes home for trainings and it, that was taking a bit of a toll on me as well and it was uh, so I was kind of happy enough to see the lockdown coming but in um, this summer last summer I was diagnosed with epilepsy and um, they were linking it to concussion recently so I kind of would have had to been forced to stop regardless and kind of when your health gets put into kind of a focus like that it was it was quite scary so um i'm officially retired now from all context sports unfortunately but um yeah the, the, it definitely puts into focus what what's kind of important and like I, i'm lucky that i have a fair bit going on outside of football as well so it, it wasn't like the hammer blow where i was sitting at home every day with nothing to do but um yeah, it probably was the right time. In hindsight, I probably should have left it after the relegation, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine so. Like, and because I, I seen the story, all right, obviously, when you were you were held up in the hospital in, in Limerick, obviously, for, for five days. And I can't imagine how tough that was, like, especially with it being during the, the lockdown. Like, I think a lot of people forget that, obviously, because of the, the lockdown and everything else. Like, people, you know, family can't visit you or anything like that. So it's, you know, makes it twice as tough, I'd imagine. And, I suppose, yeah, like you said, with concussive symptoms and, you know, you were, you were, I read a few stories before where you were talking about kind of having different symptoms maybe after games and, and whatnot. Like, do you think there's enough being done even to kind of promote awareness of that maybe in Gaelic games? Because I feel like it's talked a lot about in America or even in, in, in soccer nowadays. And I, I, in Gaelic games, I suppose it probably hasn't been discussed maybe that much, maybe because it's not a professional sport. I'm not sure, but I'd be interested to, to hear your, your take on it. Yeah, it, it probably, like this sounds awful, but it probably needs, um, it needs something high profile maybe to get the, to get the thing kickstarted a little bit because it's it's definitely, like I, I'm actually quite lucky. I've only had four concussions. Now, unfortunately, I've been hospitalized with all four, so I just have a particularly bad kind of propensity to deal with them. But um, they're, they're, they're a frightening thing. They really are. And it's it's probably just a lack of education around them. And there's... They, they are the invisible injury you know and that's that can be very tricky for for management and for players and you're kind of saying what's wrong with you out of concussion but it's not like a broken leg where you're in your cast you know so it's something that probably there, there probably needs to be education i know there's a there's a poster campaign around most clubs and stuff like that but that's it's a little bit of tokenism it probably needs to be it probably needs to be something more um substantial and it's probably in the intercounty game it's probably not as much of a problem it's the when you go down the leagues and you're playing you could be playing an intermediate league game somewhere and there might even be a physio there you know stuff like yeah. that is is quite dangerous and I, I know for myself i i would have had delayed symptoms so i could be fine for three hours and then all of a sudden it could just hit me and, and it's pretty much lights out like so that's like there's only so much you can do i suppose from a medical side of it but it's probably just a little bit more education is is probably needed especially as you come down through the come down through the grades a little bit. Intercounty is probably safe enough. You have a doctor and you have a couple of physios. Most most panels will have. But um, definitely when you're playing a, a junior intermediate game down the back of Carlos somewhere, you, you could do with someone. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine so. Like, and yeah, I suppose it's one of them things that I know like a lot of doctors and, and physios and everything else are probably all researching. Like, and I suppose with the advancement of technology, hopefully it's, it's some, there's something more that, that can be done. And I suppose with the fact that Gaelic Games isn't a professional organization. It does make that it does make that risk, I suppose, a little bit higher. Or with the fact that they might miss something, maybe somewhere along the way. And I suppose, yeah, like because you see in like with CTE and American football and and boxing and whatnot, like it definitely is. It definitely is something that sadly kind of is on the rise over there. It is kind of being being spoke about more about in in those countries, anyways. Yeah, absolutely, and, and like you, you kind of see even at the rugby at the moment, like it's there's it's just a constant thing of it's it's in discussion constantly and um and totally understandably because as, as someone who's experienced it, it's it's hard, like it really is. It's it's just it's a re really unpleasant experience, you know, and um it, it's definitely something you just could not take a chance with, and it's probably just kind of breaking the mold of kind of having the fear of saying oh, it's just a concussion you'll be all right you know that kind of thing and you'll be all right in a couple of days probably trying to break that mold of saying no this is the statutory time that you're out and in fairness our, our physios with Carla would have been would have been saying that you know whatever I can't remember the, the length of time you had to be out symptom free before you could get back training and it was a graduated return but as I said it's when you go down through the grades a little bit to to, to try and get that sort of a policy in place so that can be tricky enough as you say with a with an amateur organization. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, and I suppose obviously your club, Kildavan, Clonagall. Like, I mean, what was it? What's it been like? I suppose to to be involved with them, and I suppose going down the years. Like, and I suppose in general, like how competitive is Carlow club football? Because I suppose you see like Aerog and the success of them, obviously in the past five to ten years. Like, I mean, it, it definitely seems to be on the rise as well. The the competition, like what you said in in, in 20, 2019, I think it was like when Aerog went on a bit of a run through Leinster. So I suppose it's um. It seems fiercely competitive down there, anyways. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of um, a, a rogue or kind of the runaway train at the moment, in this, to a certain degree. You know, they're kind of the Dublin of the of the Carlow world. You know, they have um, they have really good structures, and they've, they've obviously got the, the population as well, which helps them. But um, yeah, our, my own club's intermediate. Um, we actually have the the county final from last year to play in a couple of weeks' time. Now, I'll only be watching. So that to be bittersweet, but. Um, it's yeah it, it, it's i suppose there's a couple of problems you know the, the league at the moment isn't um promotion relegation which mm. takes a little bit of emphasis from league games um which i think is probably to the detriment of the overall thing because there's there's not high quality games happening then between april and april and your first round of championship so that's probably something that needs to be possibly looked at i know it was gotten rid of originally because players didn't or uh, clubs didn't want to play with other county players because our playing pools wouldn't be massive, you know. So that's why it was originally gotten rid of. But I think if they brought that back, it could it could significantly help things. But um, yeah, as Aeroger, the kind of the the beacon, they've got things right and they've got the they've got the setups right. And you know, I'd say it's only a matter of time till they kind of make another breakthrough at some stage. But Leinster, because there's some fantastic young footballers, but they're kind of setting the standard for for the other clubs. But um, it's there, there is a huge passion for Carlo, especially I know down South Carlo would be uh would be mainly the hurling side of things, but um like my Leicester Rangers are excellent dual club there in the semi-final as well this year, or well, last year's semi-final coming up this summer. But um yeah, there's a huge passion for it, but it's it's it needs this. I think it, it's so dependent on the getting youngsters into it and the grassroots side of things and it's only something that's really come into focus in the last 10 years in Carlo is kind of developing squads and underage, kind of really putting an emphasis on underage. And they have a club Colts or a, a Colts program where basically they have each grade has a different name. And it's kind of, it, it gives kids like a, an academy feel, let's say, without, you know, making it sound too professional. But it's just about getting into the schools and kind of keeping that side of things going because we have to absolutely drain every resource we have because the, the numbers just, they just aren't there, you know. And, um, but yeah, it's 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 it can be it can be a struggle, especially with numbers. It is it is tough at times, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. I can imagine. So like, all right, like, and yeah, I suppose it's good to see like the the promotion obviously on the on the rise. And I think Carlo have done a phenomenal job, obviously, over the past like five to ten years of promote the of the promotion of the games and and everything else. And I think you see that in both not just the footballers, but obviously the hurlers as well as well who've made strides in the past five to ten years. I suppose just to run through some questions over that that some people posted obviously over on, on Instagram. I suppose there was a few people asking about maybe like the tier two kind of coming in next year and what your kind of take would be on that. Like, and I suppose like obviously you had the Tommy Murphy Cup there a long time ago and I'm not too sure if you would have been involved with any of the Carlo teams in, in, in that tournament. But I suppose like what, what would be your, your take on, on the tier two championship coming in? Um, well, I, I'd be amazed if it came in at this stage, like especially with mm. your two provincial winners going down to Division Four, and you'll have a lot of really good teams in Division Three. I'd be astounded if it was allowed to happen. Like, I, I, I just can't see the, I can't see the purpose in it. Like, I, I really can't. I, I played in the Tommy Murphy in two thousand and eight, and it was a nightmare. Like, just pointless. Players just wanted to go back and play with their clubs, and no matter what you, what name you call it, or what. Uh, a little kind of prize you have at the end of it players just don't want it there has to be something that has some way of integrating you back into the main championship and and as i said that's even kind of a bit high fluted because the reality is like look at every club structure in every county you have junior intermediate and senior as the main championship and i i just can't understand how there isn't a similar thing from a, in a summertime kind of a, a league sort of a style where it's you know, your junior, intermediate and senior or something of that capacity and you have a clear pathway. If you're good enough to get out of junior, you go to intermediate and if you're good enough to get up out of there, you go on to senior and you give yourself seven games or whatever you might have, or six games, whatever it might be, and you're playing home and away and it's in summertime, it's not in the depths of winter. 
I think it is just a no-brainer to flip the year in his head and, and put the league in summer, but uh, unlikely to happen. But I, it, And it would take so much emphasis away from November, December, January slog, where most teams are trying to be championship ready for the end of January for their first league game. If you didn't have to be championship ready, let's say, for your first, we call it the league, the summer league, if you weren't being ready for that until, let's say, the start of May, you could realistically start your preparations in the end of January. And it just frees up a month somewhere for players that it's not literally 12 months of the year, you know. But it's it's very frustrating. Like, And I think players just, players kind of know it's a little bit of tokenism and... I, I, I just can't understand how anyone would really think that there's any value in it. Like, what, what is, a, what is a, a player who's, let's say, for Cavan now, who won a, an Ulster last year and possibly will have to, will, will have to play in a Talton Cup regardless next year? What's, what's going to be the desire there? Who's, going, who's that going to benefit, really? You mm-hmm. know, so, look, it, there's probably 100 different views, but I think it's crazy. And people will say, you want games at your own level. Yes, but don't have it as lip service. Actually create... Uh, setting like I just said with a with a junior to meet a senior or your four groups your league and and play it in the summertime you know but um a lot of change would have to happen for that <laughs> yeah I suppose there's always there's always discussion around the the change of the championship and and everything else and yeah I, I think what you said like with the junior intermediate senior could definitely be a, a great show like obviously we we've seen that across like you know I think almost every county really has a that's how they run their their club championship structures and you often hear of of sides who come from intermediate level and then go up to senior and end up winning the the county title like it happens all the time and i know maybe the the gap in in those in in in, in county football maybe mightn't be as big as what it is currently in uh in, in inter-county level but yeah it's definitely a a good shout like and i suppose like another question that came in there was your your thoughts on dara foley in the in the carlo team at the moment because i suppose he's uh he's definitely doing quite well at the at the moment anyway I wonder, did he, did he send that in himself, I wonder? I don't, I don't think so, no. Maybe I'll go back and check. Maybe he did. <laughs> no, Dara's flying it. He's, uh, no, Dara, Dara would be one of my best friends. He's actually getting married. Oh, really, yeah? Yeah, yeah, in the start of July. So, uh, no, Dara's a great lad. He, he would have slogged with us from from the very from the very start, but he's actually from a, a rival club to ours. There'd be a fairly bit of, fair bit of bad blood between the two of us. So, before we knew each other, we were rolling around the ground in senior games first, and then... <laughs> Once we started playing with Carlo together, we ended up being very friendly. So he's, um, listen, Dara works harder than most people and does an awful lot of the like unseen work that that people probably wouldn't appreciate. And it's great just to see him get a little bit of reward. I know he's in the team of the week last week and he got the he got the winner against Wexford. And he's just he's, he's an incredibly talented footballer. But what he he's a real leader in that group and he will, whether we lose by 20 points the weekend or whether he win by 20, he'll be down early. He'll be getting himself ready for sessions. There's like, I don't think he's ever missed a session in the, whatever he's been in there in 11 years. I think he's been playing like he's just, just a fantastic leader for that group, but I won't say any more about him now. You get a, you get a swelled head if he listens to this. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was a mutual friend or something that, that put that, put that comment in or something like that. But, um, but yeah, like I suppose just just two questions I've, I've been asking, like well, I suppose at the end of every podcast, really, it's just a, an All Ireland prediction, I suppose, um, and then a, an outside bet. I mean, would you would you still be? I mean, most people would probably have the dubs, but I suppose Kerry are, are I suppose closing in. I'd imagine. Uh, yeah, yeah, I I just can't see it though. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, Dublin are just too systematic, and they're 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 pragmatic in how to do things. Like there's. Um, there is no having a go like everything is meticulously done and you know it, it's that they, they are an incredibly good defensive team and I don't think anyone really highlights that as much you know they got, they kind of get labeled with the swashbuckling and stuff but I just think they're so incredibly strong um, defensively and you know if, if there's a player like they're so intelligent on the field if, if there is a, an opposition player getting a bit of ball you won't. It won't be very long till you see James McCarthy or someone sitting in and doubling up on him. And they're. They're. I just think they're. They're far too strong. And Kerry. Kerry have so much flair and are an incredibly good side. But I just can't see when it comes to it. I think Dublin will just be able to take the sting out of them. And I just. I just can't see it um, happening anytime soon. To be honest with you, they're. They're just. They're just far too pragmatic. Um, I. You know, <laughs> you'll probably get a couple of good semi-finals and quarter-finals maybe because I think there's. 
like Dublin, I think, are out on their own, but there's a group of maybe six teams who could all beat each other in a given day. Um, and that'll probably be make for a quite entertaining championship. But I still think Dublin are just are just on a different on a different planet altogether. Um, your bolter, God. <laughs> I don't know. It's probably, probably the picture. It's a hard one, I suppose. Would it would have would have been a straight knockout? Like I suppose I don't know. Maybe if the if there really is one, I suppose maybe in a in Ulster, maybe might be the the best show. Yeah, Ulster is always is always a tricky one. Like it's Armagh are obviously making fairly good strides at the moment, and um, but I like I I always like Donegal as a team. I think they're a really good team. Um, it's it's that's that might be my little prediction. If Michael Murphy can get back fit, he's obviously a huge huge player for them. But um, yeah, I, I give Kerry is an obvious one to say, but I give Donegal a little squeak if they if they get out of Ulster unscathed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I suppose like they'll have a, a tough draw as well. I think they play like Down and Derry, and then possibly Tyrone, and then maybe an Armagh or Monaghan. So I suppose if they come through that, like. I mean, they'll, they'll go into a, a, an All Ireland semi final against probably Kerry with a, a lot of confidence. So you'd have to you'd have to give them a good show if they if they definitely come through Ulster. But um, but yeah, cheers anyway, Daniel, for coming on. I appreciate your time and um, and yeah, cheers for cheers for coming on and, and talking about your time. Obviously playing for for Carlo and I suppose best of luck with, with, with whatever's next. Brilliant. Thanks, a million, Aaron. Appreciate it.